Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Travis Snyder. When did you meet him? We met um, uh, probably in 2006 when he got drafted. He was drafted in 06. I was drafted in 05. And I was in Dunedin. We're playing against the Tampa Yankees. And there's actually a funny story behind that that I'll let you, uh, I'll let him uh, tell everyone. But he came in as as a first rounder, you know, and, and. Walked into the clubhouse and everyone meets him, and uh, I mean, I introduced myself obviously, and that was the first time I met him. And then obviously they, wait, they wait, hold on, hold on, as you're going, did our like vice president of her uh, just Cuber out of the <laughs> room that we're at, right? The vice president of finance for the Let's Go Ricky Road podcast just left us, oh, right? Man. He just popped into a car and left. <laughs> 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 like, mind you, we're on a on, on we're on location, right? Top secret location in Arizona. It's we have a lot of high profile people yeah, in a lot here, of high man. Profile car. Just the, I just see him running on the car. <laughs> no, but that yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Anyways, we, sorry we, to we met in uh, 06 when he got drafted, and obviously you meet him. He met the guys in the clubhouse, and then they take him away. Um, he went down to the probably do his physical minor league, sign his official contract, and all that. Um, you know, and all you ever heard was, uh, you know, really high prospect out of high school. He was a high school kid and, um, he's big time, man. yeah. So, um, if you're out of high school, <clears throat> 14th overall pick, I think at a high school, out of high school, this dude, he's like five, what? Five, 10 ish. Yeah. <laughs> Travis Snyder, how you doing? I didn't know you were, you were sitting there. Just sitting here all five feet, 10 inches. Ever. <laughs> how tall are you? Six one with cleats, but six six foot in your program. Right, and you Travis um, grew up in in Washington, and uh, you know I think his story is fantastic. Uh, um, from his upbringing to getting to the big leagues to having his first hit in Yankee Stadium, the old Yankee Stadium, and I still have a vivid memory of watching it on TV, watching the highlight, and Derek Jeter coming up to him and saying something to him. And I think I texted him 
was like, dude, what did, what did Derek Jeter say to you? Oh, he got to the majors before you? Yeah. Yeah, okay. he got there in 08. So he got drafted after you? After me, and he got And in, he got there before yeah. you? Oh, yeah. Fuck, I mean, man. fuck, man. I was fucking... See? Freaking giving up tanks in double A for two and a half years. So you were sucking <laughs> in, like... And where were you? What city? In New Hampshire, man. Manch Vegas, man. So he met Hey, Manch Vegas is... A Wonderful place. He met you and said, "Sorry, bro, I'm gone. I'm past you." <laughs> How old were you when you got to the major leagues? And if you get drafted out of high school, you see Ricky and you pass him up. I was 20, but Fuck. to go back to Manch Vegas. What's up, Travis Snyder? How you doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm good. Ricky and I, uh, I think it was over a 30 pack of Bud Light. Uh, I started off the year and high A got called up to Double A pretty quickly. And I was hitting about a buck eighty. I was snapping a bat every other at bat, striking out. Literally snapping Wait, bats. How did you snapping get a bats over his like Bud Light? If you, neither of you are twenty one. Ricky was. 20, I was twenty one. Oh, you're twenty three. I was the fucking the twenty three so year old in hey, fucking so you're double enabling A. Enabling these young kids. <laughs> Maybe that's why he was hitting one eighty. Because you're buying them beer. Every nah, day. nah, man. No, no. I was trying to be good, and then I figured out. You know, we need to we need to have some some heart to heart over a couple of Bud minuses and we sat down and looked at each wait, other wait, wait, and Bud just minuses? Bud Light, Bud Light, another way to put it. <laughs> and uh, I love these terms. All right. We uh, you know, we sat down and just said, Is this it? You know, we we're both first round picks. We got to double A. He had been there longer than I had, but just as brothers looking at each other in the face, like, man, we had been through a lot together up until that point. And then to see how things transpired over the next few years was pretty cool. Getting so the you big were like just sucking. And when he says and brothers, struggling. it was literally like a brotherhood. You know, it was me, him, um, JP, Aaron CBA, who I'm sure will be a guest on this too. All the time. Um, and we just built this bond right from the beginning. Travis actually, uh, there was one, we played in the fall league together here in, Arizona, in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, and prior to that, he lived with me in, in, in Florida for a little bit. Um, so we built this bond that, you know, we became close with each other and, um, you know, where we, like you said, having heart to hearts and <laughs> wondering well, well, what the fuck like, is going like, on. Nobody's you gonna feel you suck. I suck. What well, are we going to do? That, that's the thing though. Right. And to put in perspective for people who don't know, like if you're a first rounder, they give you a lot of money Yeah. and you're supposed to succeed. And when you're going and you're struggling and you're sucking, nobody is giving you any kind of sympathy. It, they might give you a little bit of a longer leash to suck, but Nobody's like, oh, what was me? Nobody's feeling bad for you because the guys behind you are like, hell yeah, bonus baby sucks. Let me take his spot. Let me pass him up. So if you're struggling and you're struggling, Rick, and you guys are just looking at each other like, what the fuck? Baseball's supposed to be fun and it's not supposed to be as hard. How did you guys snap out of it? I mean, it's a cliche. The game's a game of failure. But for us guys that were high picks and even guys that weren't first round picks, never really failed. Yeah. Never really experienced struggle at any level of baseball up until that point. So... You're not you, used to it. No, you get into the arena and all of a sudden you're not the best guy on the field that day, that week, that month, and you're looking at yourself like, what the hell am I doing? And you got another guy so you there. You start doubting yourself yeah, for uh, the first time in your life, really. Exactly, because we're all human beings despite the million-dollar signing bonuses and the first-round pick status. I mean, at some point you're going to suck, and that's a continual learning lesson in this game. Every guy in here that's played understands it that – how you get through those periods is what's going to either make or break your career. So that heart to heart, where was it the, with the Bud minuses? It was in your guys' frat house, Ranch <laughs> Vegas yeah, frat house. Yeah, 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 I remember. Yeah, where in New Hampshire? New Hampshire. Yeah, we lived like in the hood. There's a hood in New Hampshire. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, where it. we lived. I hey, mean, it was. You're from LA. Hey, you like, get if you're from LA, Rick, and you hear New Hampshire, you're thinking like farms. I'm thinking no where, 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 yeah, where am I? You grew up in East LA. There ain't no hood exactly. in New Hampshire. <laughs> but you found it. I mean, I found it. <laughs> we were living in it, and um, when Travis got called up, he he stayed with us. 
and uh you know i always made sure i always you know i saw him like a little brother yeah you took and care of i him. always yeah make sure he was taken care of and and whatnot we even had disagreements here and there where we'd argue with each other but at the same it was just like brothers you know jp same thing you know it was just butting heads left and right um we'd have dinners in toronto and uh you know usually it's the pitchers and the position players the bullpen hell no it was like it was all of us together and Travis and Casey Jansen would always go at it. I mean, it was just it, it it was all fun, you know. And and like I said, I mean, you look back at those at those days, and um, and that's what you, that, that, that's you, what you, you miss, you know. That that, 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 that's the stuff you miss, you know. Yeah. I mean, now that I'm officially retired, you, I look back at those moments and I'm like, man, like those are some of the coolest moments. It's not, yeah, what happens on the field. You wear a big league jersey, it's awesome, but it's what happens off the field. Well, it's because you know? you're far away from home. Uh-huh. Nobody that you grew up with or know can relate to you. Like you're, if you call home, like, hey, I don't feel, yeah, we'll suck it up. Let's just go yeah. keep on playing. Nobody knows what's going on except for your teammates, and it's hard to find compassion from anybody. So, do you remember the, having that heart to heart? Yeah, yeah, I think, I, yeah, yeah, I remember it, and I, it's coming back now. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's one of those things where you <laughs> you look at each other and you're, I mean, and it's like, you know what? No, let's we're we're here for a reason. And you've let's fucking grab the bull by the horns and fucking make something out of it. And like I said, he made his debut in 08 and uh, he was an all star actually in New Hampshire one year. Right. Um, in the home run derby, put on a fucking show, man. And uh, I was never an all star. <laughs> but you sucked in double. Uh, I, that's why I was that's never an all star. But I was there as a fan, man. I was watching uh, Travis compete in the in the home run derby. He won it. And um and then obviously like like he said you know there's a little bit of struggles that go on and then bam next thing you know he's in the big leagues getting a pat on the back by freaking Derek Jeter you're 20 years old you get called up to the big leagues after what a couple months before that you and Rick are in this frat house where you're like everybody's (laughs) like I'm pretty sure everybody joined in and it's like because people don't understand that they think oh you're a pro athlete it's easy it's but you're homesick you're broke. Even though you guys have million dollar selling bonuses, you're still broke at that time because you're well, struggling. Also, I mean, I mean, I don't know. Travis can maybe tell Money us a little make bit. Money everything better. I mean, I think every guy that we've talked to was drafted out of uh, college, so maybe he can explain what it was like coming out of high school. You know, That's I mean, it's it's too. completely different world. It's different. Living alone 18, by yourself. 17, 18 years old, getting drafted, going, living by yourself, finding a place to live, finding food, you know, stuff that you're used to at home and you know where where to find it. Now you're Auburn, New York, or um, Pulaski, Pulaski, Virginia. <laughs> Pulaski, Virginia, and, and rookie ball. You know, you're in the middle of nowhere in these cities, and you got to find a way to live. And not that it, like it's oh my god, it's the worst thing ever, but it's it's a bit different. It's a bit of a culture shock. Um, yeah. And obviously, going through three years of college for me, I mean, yeah, you kind of you you it helps you a little bit, but it still doesn't prepare you for pro ball. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Is there I, that big of a difference, Travis? You know, I, I had a little bit different childhood than most. I grew up with two loving parents that ended up separating, and mom went through a bunch of health issues. Dad was living in a separate spot. So I actually had an opportunity to live just me and my sister in an apartment leading up to my senior year of high school for oh, about yeah, two, two and a half months. Yeah, so my dad at the time was working two jobs to put us in a place where we could live my mom was going through some intensive treatment after a pretty pretty nasty run with health issues and for me it was a time to grow up it was preparing me for what was next in terms of going and playing professional baseball and all the things that rick touched on where you are on your own and you have to make these decisions and 
Lord knows, and the Blue Jays old school regime knows I made a lot of bad decisions. But I had guys like Ricky, David Percy, JP. I mean, I remember when my mom eventually ended up passing away at the end of the 2007 season, right after I got home. And the first thing they did was invite me to come to the instructional league where Ricky had a place in Florida, told me, hey, come live with me. We spent three weeks down there, and then we came out here to Scottsdale where we were playing in the fall league. And it was like, as we had got to know each other through spring training and instructs and all that stuff, the bond that we're talking about runs so much deeper than just sharing a uniform and going out and lacing up the spikes every night and competing. It just, our group of guys that came through the Blue Jay system at that time really took it upon ourselves, not only to hold each other accountable, but just be there through the, through the thick and the thin, you know, whether it's me getting my first hit, Ricky getting called up to AAA after being shitty for two and a half years, dominating and then getting to the big leagues the next year and eventually being the opening day starter. Like every guy has a different path in their career. But for me as an 18, 19, 20 year old kid, I was lucky to have some really good role models across the organization, some really good friends that kind of helped keep me on that path to get there and, and have some success. Where'd you grow up? Just north of Seattle. So what city? Uh, Everett would be the city. It's kind of a underdeveloped but now developed area. So a small city? Smaller, yeah, suburban. So you're probably the biggest thing to come out of there? For sure. But it was it was one of those things, you know, I grew up with a lot of friends that had money, and I had the same way in baseball, a ton of people that helped keep the bumpers up, so to speak, and make sure whatever I went through um, personally off the field in baseball, I had second dads and second moms and People, you know, my best friends from high school, there's still 15, 20 guys that come over to my house every time we have. Hey, the a, grill fucking master, oh, man. They, they were putting smoke in everything. Incredible. Steaks, follow him on social steaks. media. His steak, steaks game is through well, the Well, good, because we got carne asada for him ready oh, to go. Oh, man, no, but he's. Hey, hold on, to, don't start it yet. Wait <laughs> for a slider to get the He's grill. on a different level when it comes to grill. Oh, he's he, one of those guys? He, like hosted us, he hosted us one year to his house. He's like, you ha- you guys have to come. You so he set up a whole thing, boom, we land in Seattle one year, straight to his house, and everyone was like, dude, this is the best steak I've ever had. You know, he's a, that's, there's a reason why we call him uh, Lunchbox. You know, the guy. Wait, oh, wait, your Lunchbox? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's you. Yes. Yeah. That's your social media. I got my Lunchbox in the car if you want me to go grab it. <laughs> yeah, your Lunchbox, uh, 45, I think? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. So, oh, I mean, so when it comes to food, okay. when it comes to food and grilling and. Oh, no, it's a different level. Oh, it's on a different level. I if mean. If you already he, get out of here, he, who do you he, want, then? He'll give you whatever you want. Diners and dives? No, forget uh, that. We I mean. Go, okay. You see his cutting board on social media. It says lunchbox. Yes. I, I feel like it's strictly his. knife his. He, game is just. He probably doesn't let anybody use that thing. No. <laughs> like, eat your own as bat. Don't even look at it. Like I'm, not, I'm not that protective, but yeah. <laughs> you're about to be. Now yeah. that you He's know. protective over that grill, though. You better not come close to Wait, it. Are you that guy that don't touch my grill? You know, yeah. I, I figure yeah. if somebody's going to cook on my grill, it might as well be me. I don't want somebody – I'm not going to give somebody a nice piece of meat and say, hey, go grill it for me on my grill. Like, it's it's going back to the family thing, growing up but don't with, scratch it. with the community of friends from baseball and then getting into pro ball and playing in the big leagues and going to the city of Seattle, having your teammates over and being able to cook for them. I'm, I'm a type of guy, acts of service is how I show my love. And for me, I've Mexican. developed – you're, you invite everybody over. Honorary Mexican. There you but go. That's right. I, I get the opportunity to go out there and do what I love, which is a cook, and have the people I love over at my house and, and break bread and, and just crush steaks and, and have a good time. All right, before we get to, like, the baseball and, like, the growing up and all the struggles, blah, 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 
How do you uh, get a good steak going? Like, what do you? How do you marinate it? How do you prepare it? <laughs> you know, that? it's funny. One of my teammates, Adam Lowen, uh, taught me this this deal where you cure the meat, and you cover both sides of it in kosher salt, you let it sit for an hour, and then you wash it. It's got to be hot water. You wash both sides, get all the salt off of it, scrub it down good, and then you wait till it's room temperature. <laughs> you can put a little bit of pepper or a little Montreal steak seasoning, but you. You don't need much because the salt has entrapped itself in the meat. And then you put it on a hot grill. You sear it for a minute each side. And then depending on the thickness, it could be, you know, two to four minutes. That's on simple. Each side. There you go, man. Wait, that's simple? Chef 101 right hey, there, You know what? Man. Edit that out. We're going to put that as a separate part of the podcast. We're going to charge for that information right there. We can't be giving away that secret for free. I got it for free from a teammate. Yeah, yeah, but we're trying to capitalize here. I mean, right? I mean. Let's go with Ricky Rowe. Let's go, Ricky Rowe. Cooking, the cooking, a- yeah, man. There we go. All right, we're on. Now, um, obviously, you came out of high school. Um, what, where were you supposed to go? What schools offered you D one scholarship? Obviously, you were highly touted out of high school. Um, did you ever come close uh, to? Did you sign a letter of intent? I did at Arizona State, but to throw it back to the the Brandon Morrow podcast, we'll keep the Justin Turner theme. JT was my host on my visit to Cal State Fullerton. Cal State Fullerton. That's so right. it was crazy going to the five visits that I took. I chose Arizona State because at the time they were a powerhouse and a little bit different college atmosphere than, than Fullerton. <laughs> a little different? A little different, yeah. But you know, it was <laughs> one of those things. Cal State Fullerton. I, I, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of options and you know picked the five that I wanted to go see for, for real and then decided on ASU because why not? Yeah, <laughs> if you're 18 and yeah. you go to Arizona State, you sign right there, whatever you want. Yep. 30%? Yeah, sure, why not? I'll, I'll, I am here. How much do I have to pay you to come here? That's yeah. what you want to. But you went first round. But back to so that small community where you're from, was it expected that you were going to be like the star out of there? I'm just trying to get an idea of who, who you were growing up. Were you always like that stud athlete in the area? I guess, but we just had really good teams. I mean, from Little League, we won two state championships out of the four year we played in the championship game all four years did you uh, like the little league world series no we ended up in san bernardino oh did you hey we, that's a we, big deal when i was 11 and we got humbled uh we ended up taking seventh out of 14th and, and got our team yeah, if you go san bernardino bit. the next step is the little league world series and then the, the next year we lost to the team in the championship that went to the world series oh. so you know it was it was started in little league and then we went to uh you know summer ball couple of national championships there i think when we were 14 we went 76 and 6 see, see how he's remembering everything right now 76 sure. you probably don't even know what you did yesterday but you know when you were 14 your record and everything absolutely right? <laughs> and we're, we're talking about the same boys that come over the house every time we fire up the grill it's you know eight or nine of those guys that i grew up playing with and then you get to high school baseball our senior year we won 27 and 0 won the state championship so Damn. it was just it was kind of a evolution from little league into, into high school and um, you know, getting into high school, that's when things really picked up. You went to the area code games down in Long Beach. Oh, you made area code? Yeah. Oh, snap. Yeah. I mean, Snyder so, was big time, man. Hey, he if you played area code, that's big deal. Like, yeah. I was supposed to go as a sophomore, broke my ankle. Oh, snap. You were playing a football. He was a football player. Yeah. Hell of a football player, too, I heard. Running back. Full back, more of a middle linebacker. But oh, you want to yeah. hit people. Love hitting people. <laughs> <laughs> hitting people. Yeah. And a huge, huge Fucking Seahawks of fan. Of course he I, is. Every, he's from Seattle. Godly. He's you from got, the Northwest. You got any Niners fans in the building? Any <laughs> Niners fans? I know you guys finally beat us this year, but... Uh, I don't know. I, let me look at one Niner fan, two yeah. Niner fans. Yeah, I'll tell they, you what, man. Those are some rough, 
rough, rough uh, years right there. Did you get a text from him like with the night? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> NFC Championship game selfie with Richard Sherman and Michael Crabtree. Oh, no, man, just, dude, are you so kidding when, me? When the, all right, I don't want to bring up bad memories for you, but when uh, they didn't give Marshawn the ball on the one yard line for the Super Bowl, I was there. Oh, you're okay. I was here. This is how savage Ricky is. So my son Mateo, who probably at that time was eleven, is a Seahawks fan because. He, he knew Pete Carroll as a kid. You know, he's like, oh, they go there. He becomes Seahawks fan. In L.A., there was no team at the time. So we were at Ricky's awesome man cave watching it. And my son is like, yeah. And my son talks trash to Ricky. And Ricky goes back at him in a good, you know, brotherly way. And he's talking to him. Yeah. And my son, one of your line, Rick's like, you can tell, like, damn. And my son's like, yeah, we got this. Give it to Marshawn. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> they lose. And who's the first one talking trash to my eleven-year-old Ricky? Yeah, yeah. And my son starts crying. I was like, oh, in your fucking face. Yeah, yeah. And let's my son go, starts crying. Let's and, go. And I'm like, people are like, damn. Mateo starts crying, yeah. man. And I, what do I say? <laughs> hey, suck it up. You can't be talking trash. I tell this to my son, like, you can't be talking trash. And they lose, you start crying. No, 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 no. Literally crying. So yeah, I can't I imagine like, what he was telling you. <laughs> I think some of that pent up aggression might have been my fault because <laughs> I won a couple of free dinners off of yeah, the yeah. Seahawks taking to the Niners and a a lot of hate messages going Ricky's way for about oh, yeah. four or five years. Oh yeah, and then he just stopped texting me on Sundays. I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to <laughs> because we can go all day long. We can do podcasts on Ricky talking trash to people let, on fantasy football. I'm, They're let's, like, oh. let's go. I mean, do it from from you know. Obviously, he goes double A, uh, a little bit of triple A time, um, and then gets called up, and it's twenty. 20 years old, oh, the youngest at that time, maybe? Yeah, I think Kershaw was up, the youngest position player. At the youngest time. position player that year to come up to the big leagues. You make your debut at Yankee Stadium. Old Yankee, debut st- old, old Yankee Stadium. Right. I mean, it's, not even, it's not, even, not even the new one, you know, it's the old one, which I never played in. He obviously got a chance to I go there. I went there as a fan. I played and, I mean, I mean, tells about you it. Walk I mean, how, you walk in to fucking that place what what's going through your head it's crazy i remember uh shagging batting practice and murph dwayne murphy was uh outfield coordinator coming through the system and was in the big leagues at the time as a coach and i had a good relationship with him and i was playing left field and every time i was seeing a ball off the bat i would just sprint and it could be in freaking right field and i'd be (laughs) running over to try and catch the ball in right field he comes over to me he's like hey kid relax like you don't have to catch every ball out here (laughs) just Take a deep breath, go have some fun, and uh, you know, like Rick said, ended up getting my first hit that night off of Carl Pavano. Wait, you played the night you got called up? Yeah, yeah. started right. You yeah. started? Yeah. yeah. Why'd you get called up? I mean, he was he was. All right, they traded Matt Stairs um, to the Phillies, I believe, that year. And at yeah. the time, I was told two or three days prior by one of the assistant GMs, "Hey, man, you've had a hell of a year. We want you to finish the year in AAA." and uh, come back here next year and, and keep doing what you're doing. And then two days later, I'm getting called in the office. We had played a doubleheader that night in Lehigh Valley, and I wasn't in the lineup for the second game, which is weird because I played every game. Hitting coach starts kind of talking to me a little bit about how the lights are brighter in the big leagues, and I'm, like, looking at him. And then, you know, next thing I know, I'm getting called in the office after the game. That same assistant GM's there. They're telling me, hey, you're going to the big leagues. So I hop in a town car the next morning. I couldn't sleep the night before. Might have had a few Jack Daniels just to calm the nerves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then ended up going to uh, to New York, man. Flew out. You ever been to New York before? 
at the time. I don't think so. Fuck. Yeah, so I flew That's out. It's intimidating. Just the JFK alone is intimidating. <laughs> I, I took Fuck. a car, so I didn't have to go. I, didn't, oh. I hadn't done the airport. Oh, I was like, you're big league now. You're big league. Yeah, yeah, yeah the car. town car, town hey, car, town two car. and a half yeah, hours. Yeah. No, so I, 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 town cars I had never been in a town car before. You know, at the time, I flew out. I remember three of my best friends, my sister and my pops. They only had first class tickets left. I said, let's go get the boys here. Yeah. So we ended up, we ended up going, um, played a Friday night game got the first hit and then saturday took everybody to capital grill i didn't know what the hell capital grill was at the they time. just told you to take you there <laughs> yeah i asked i asked the club i'm like hey you make me a reservation a nice steak place he's like yeah i got you so we end up going having dinner at the capital but grill let's rewind a little bit so you get that first hit what's that conversation like with, with mr Jeets? yankee himself Number two? You know? oh man that was surreal i got Wait, to second you, base you, oh you got to okay hit a uh, ground rule double oh ground rule double yeah. i'm sorry got okay. to got to second base jeter came over kind of put his Put his arm on me and he's like, "That your first one?" And I was like, "Yeah." He goes, "Congratulations!" So Damn. First, like he yeah. knew he knew it was your first at bat. First guy to congratulate me at my big league hit was Derek Jeter. Sick memory right there, man. I mean, is there if a you picture of that anywhere? I actually have never looked to see if there was a picture. Don't you have like a team photographer? Let's go. Do I, but you know, it wasn't actually. That, you know, back then they didn't. Yeah, do that social stuff. media still wasn't big back right. in the day. It, you know, it didn't I mean, exist. it's just yeah. I mean, there's probably pictures, but it's still. It was you know, at the time when we were watching video, it was still fuzzy video, you know? <laughs> it yeah, wasn't that, you know, crazy yeah. HD, not to like towards the end of my Blue Jay career where it, time the video got dumb. better. Hey, it, but it, technology is crazy. Where's the ball at? At the house. Where's the bat? At the house. Okay, so you kept that. Yeah. All right. Hell yeah, just like me, man. How many hits do you have, Rick? Two, man. I mean, who's counting? <laughs> do we have to fucking keep saying this? <laughs> every Where's podcast. my bat? Where's my bat? It's hanging. Yeah, in my, every podcast. Where's like, my batting gloves? They're hanging, yeah. too. Where's Ricky, that ball? Ricky, where's your first strikeout? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Hey, Ricky, where's uh, your first win for the major? I don't know. Where's your first major to hit? Oh, it's right there with the light <laughs> shining. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I got to say, I lost my first strikeout ball. Because oh, I did pitch an inning in the big leagues. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I, I'm going to okay. drop a name here, but I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Joey Votto, former NL MVP. Oh, he's Canadian. So. <laughs> I mean, Punch he says that. Him, probably made $200 million in his career. Wait, you struck him out? Struck him out. I gave up two Gave up two runs. Uh, I mean, who cares about that? They started warming up somebody in the bullpen. I'm like, oh, man, I got to get through this inning. Because I had bitched to the coaches all year, like, let me pitch, let me pitch. So I go out there, Russell Martin's catching, and it's 2-2. Puts down the heater, shake him off, give me the change up. Left on left, change up. <laughs> pulled, pulled the string, Bugs Bunny right under the bat. What was the score? What was the score that you're pitching? Probably 15 to 1. No, it was like 10 to 2 or something like that. But that's, you know, kind of close. Bullpen gets taxed. They just yeah, yeah. They need to kill an inning. So they, they brought in the lunchbox. And the lunchbox. That's I'm, awesome. I'm getting off the mound, fist pumping, did, banging. Did you saved that ball. Yeah, but that's the thing is I held on to it for a while to have Votto sign it. Uh, uh, and I didn't mark it, so I can't honestly say I have that exact ball gotcha. marked. And, and unfortunately, hey, but it's on video, so it doesn't matter. I pull that up every new clubhouse <laughs> I go to. Once I get comfortable and start running my mouth, make sure the pitchers know that I. <laughs> How hard is it to pitch? Right? I mean, not that hard. Man. <laughs> hey, hey, baseball's easy for the couch, bro. It's super easy. All right, you get to Yankee Stadium. And this is what, like the old Yankee Stadium, it had that allure, that, 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 that vibe where you're like, whoa, this is different. Like, this is Monument Park, all that other stuff. Did you understand the magnitude of what you were getting yourself into? Like, when you, when did it finally hit you? Like, fuck. I think when you get out there, like I said, during BP and you're looking and there's, I remember getting to AAA that year and you're like, damn, there's another level on the stands here. And it like, took me a few games to like gauge the, the visual on it. And then 
Now, all of a sudden, there's that third deck that wraps all the way around. And to me, it wasn't always about how many people were in the stands. It's just how big the stadium yeah. was. And then you, you put in perspective the guys that played in that stadium and being 20 years old and, and all the things that go with that. It was like, it was crazy, man. But I was lucky. Like I said, I had a lot of good coaches and veteran guys on that team that I remember Scott Rowland came up to me before the game and was just like, listen, man, best advice I ever got on my debut is just go out and have fun because you only get one. And it doesn't matter if you go over four or four for four. Like, you get one debut. So enjoy every moment of it. Did you have a suit before that? Man, Bobby, be quiet. That's why you're behind the scenes, bro. Let me ask you. Me. I was uh, I was dropping junior college classes. All right. Man, I love I love Bobby, man. I love Bobby. He he he's a man. I said, what were you doing when you were twenty? I love Bobby, man. Bobby, he's the best. This is our intern who is like worried about Bobby's the audio our, to make sure he's there. It's fucking pop. He's up. our sound guy, and he's the fucking best. This mother- he's the best. Love that guy. All of a sudden, this mother. Anyways, uh, let me ask a professional question. Well, See, now you fucking threw me off, Bobby. That's why I can't get to Major League. All right. Did you own a suit before you got called up? I had to get a suit. Everybody uh, has to buy a suit, right? The year before, uh, I went up to Toronto for an award ceremony. I'd won the minor league player of the year. So I went and bought my Hugo Boss suit. But at the time, they told me you're not going to the big league. So I'd sent all my stuff home. And I went into New York. We had a three-game set flying back to Toronto. And Jesse Litch, who I hope you get on this podcast at some point. Yeah. Line Litchie, up. I, I ended up talking to Litchie, and I was like, hey, man, what do I need for the flight? And he's like, oh, you just have to have uh, slacks, no jacket. And I was like, okay, cool. So I go, oh, and, I no. get a, go and get a pair of slacks. <laughs> oh, Ricky's laughing. <laughs> no, oh. I, it wasn't Litch, man. I go in, I got my slacks, I got my dress shirt. I'm ready to get on the Showbird for the first time in my life. Showbird? That's Showbird. the name? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. Hey, write that down, Showbird. <laughs> yeah. Write it down, intern. <laughs> so then... Jeff Ross, longtime clubhouse guy in Toronto, the boss comes up to me. He's like, where's your jacket? And, I, and he's the guy, like, been there forever, and you don't want to cross the boss. Like, the boss tells you something, you listen. He's as respected as any of the veteran guys. And I look at him like, uh, uh, Jesse told me I didn't need a jacket. And he's like, well, you better figure it out because you need a jacket to get on that plane. And I'm like, Okay. So I'm panicking. I go up to a bunch of guys, blah, blah, blah. Boss comes over 10 minutes later. He's like, I'm just fucking with you, man. Don't worry about it. God damn. (laughs) Hey, anybody got an extra sport coat in the... Oh, fuck. I I couldn't imagine be fucking scrambling for that shit. You're 20. Like, trying to act like, you know, don't sit on the couch, we've learned. Like, you're trying to be professional, but don't get crossing... What, who were you asking? What were you trying to do? Like, like I said, Jesse Litz, another young guy that was coming. He had got to the big leagues before all of us. Uh-huh. Ricky and him had played together, and, mm-hmm. and he kind of took a lot of us young guys under his wing when mm-hmm. we got to the big leagues because it was him, Adam Lynn, and then everybody else was 30-plus, you know, with six, seven years in the big leagues, big free agent contracts. So he tried to steer the, the rookies in the right way. Yeah, but for those 10 minutes when you were panicking, what were you doing? I'm looking at Litch like, what the fuck? Dude? You told me I didn't need a jacket. Like, why you, and you, I have, me? you and I are similar size. Give me your jacket and you can wear it. And like I said, <laughs> boss came back over and he's like, don't worry about it. I was just fucking with you. <laughs> was uh, that your first time on a private jet? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the mean, showbird. The showbird. The showbird. Yeah. And again, I mean, he came up. You know, Scott Rowland, um, Vernon Wells, Aaron Hill. Roy Holiday. Roy Holiday. Big money, big veterans. Lyle big, Overbay, big Rod Barajas. Status. 
Greg, who's the Greg Zahn. Greg Zahn. Who's uh, the shortstop? A bunch of old there? guys. That you Johnny Mack cross. was there. I'm trying to think who was a starter that year. Aaron Hill was there. I mean, everybody. Alex Rios. Yeah, so, um, yeah. But guys that a 20-year-old shouldn't even be looking at. Well, I mean, they're just. They're established. Yeah, they're established. I mean, Vernon Wells is making $130 million. A week? <laughs> <laughs> he'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, he'll show you his paycheck. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's the good. best part was, though, is once I got I, – I was in big league camp that year, so I developed some good relationships with these guys. But I made it a point every time I got on the show, Bird, as a rookie, you carry the beer on. and then Bam. I, I, what I do you wanna, carry, Where do you get beer at? At, the, the, at the, the clubhouse, when you get on the bus to get on the bird, you have to bring the beer on the bus for the veterans. You know, this guy likes this, this guy likes that. So I, I tried too hard in this sense, but I made sure everybody had their beers. Doc had his water. Hey, we respect Oh, that. yeah. There was yeah. Doc, Doc had to have his waters. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Wait, you got to go shopping for every guy? No, no, no. no, no. It's, it's in on the, club. the clubhouse. You just got to clubbies sure, help you, too. Okay. You got to make sure those bags get on the bus. Otherwise, one of the big dogs is going to call you out. Yeah. And you're gonna so be if I'm singing. if I'm big time, right? I can say, hey, I need Cabernet. I better have it. Fuck yeah, yeah. Oh wait, I can do that. Fuck yeah, yeah. Bobby. <laughs> Cabernet. <laughs> oh yeah, man. I mean, what were you doing? Your twenty. You, you, fuck out of you here. did it out of respect, you know. If, yeah, 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 if, yeah, if there was to. a guy, hey, make sure this there's this kind of beer. They might not have it in the clubhouse, but it's your job to go fucking find so it. So he only drinks Sapporo. You better go find it. You get the clubby to go do yeah, it, but you're responsible to make sure that shit gets on the. So plane. I'm pretty sure the veterans are going to take it super and the, and the, easy well, on you, right? I think the cool. Let me get a the, Perrier the, the, strawberry. The the cool the cool <laughs> part about it though, the cool part about it is that a lot of the clubbies on the road they help you. Yeah. Because they know they're like, hey, I got you. Like I got the bag. Um, I'll fill it up for you. Just don't forget it. You know. So you always had how like nobody's gonna leave you out. To dry, you know, yeah, unless you're yeah. an asshole about it and stuff like but that. Yeah, then, just don't be a jerk. That's the rule yeah. of life. Like uh, Jeff Proctor, a mentor of mine, always says, "Remember what you were taught in kindergarten: be nice and play well with others." He's yeah, like, it's yeah. gonna really help you out in life, no matter how high you get. And he's seen a little bit of the old school versus new school too. You know, I know we've gone back and forth yeah. about that with the other guests, but um, you know, coming up with with uh, those guys. I mean, and I obviously joined in '09. It was it was just different, man. I mean, you you want to feel comfortable but at the same time you want to make sure you know your role you know and, and you're there as a young kid make sure you keep your mouth shut you know and then and that's kind of how we how we handled it but then how long did you last with the blue jays i was there 08 and then i went up and down in 9 11 and 12 and i got traded about halfway at the deadline in 2012 is it true you got traded in the middle of a game middle of the game at my uh home city seattle playing the mariners it was like the fifth or sixth inning, and I was out in left field. Pulled up. in the middle of the game, right? Yeah, warming up to start the inning, and I get the old come on in. And I had heard maybe I was getting traded, but at that time, this was before. It's as crazy as it is now. Yeah. You know everything before it happens. And I'm running off the field. All my family's in the stands. and like, what the hell is going on? And I'm hugging all my teammates and I get down into the dugout. Oh, so you knew you got traded? Yeah, they told me. As soon as I got in the dugout, and then I get the phone, it's the GM saying, hey, we've traded you to the Pittsburgh Pirates, and next thing you know, you're getting a call from the traveling secretary of the Pittsburgh Pirates, and you're on a you're on a plane to Chicago the next day to go play the Cubs with a different uniform on. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> so who's in the crowd? Uh, pops, aunts, uncles, Think about it, friends, it's, it's home. Sister. Oh, yeah. It's my sister's Everybody. birthday, so we go out to dinner that night, and it's like super awkward, right? Because everybody's asking me what the hell is going on. I'm like, uh... I forget who were you traded for? Uh, Brad Lincoln. Okay. All right. So wait, you still went, you didn't have so the next morning you had a flight to catch? Yeah, six a.m. So let me go with my family to dinner. Hey, uh, 
can you still leave them tickets for the next game? I don't even remember. <laughs> and it was like I I got no, no, I hey, got no, home you that still night. You owe me for the, I, I left ten that day, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. It's like, damn it, you got taxed that day yeah. with interest. There we go. So, I mean, that's got to be weird, right? It's it's surreal when you get that phone call, and I've been especially trained. because no, he's been the phone a, call yeah. when you come off the field and well, especially you're like, why am I getting pulled? All he's, he's ever been, known is Toronto Blue Jays, and all he's ever known is the guys that have shared that clubhouse with him, and now you're. Traded and then you're like, what the but fuck? The middle of a game, Who do I know there? You who's know? the manager? Just said, hey, you've been, you're gone. You're going to the Pirates. John Farrell waved me off the field, and I had a great relationship with the staff. A bunch of my buddies that had been working through the system were in the big leagues. It was finally like a young team mm-hmm. where we would all kind of come together. And next thing I know, I'm getting shipped off to another team. Well, I'm asking the fan questions. So, do you stay for the game or do you leave? What no, do you do, man? I go in there, pack my stuff, and meet up with my family. Go to dinner as planned, and sit there with. So, I mean, if you're a position people. player, if you're a position player and you're playing, you don't even get to say bye to him because he's got to go. I don't. I wasn't pitching that day, but I came in and it was just like, a, holy shit! You know, it, it, a bit emotional. You know, not to the point where you're crying, but you're like the hug is like. An extra, a little extra tighter, you know. You're just like, man, what the fuck just happened, you know? And he's, all right, see ya. I mean, we get it. It's a business. It yeah. happens, but, but it, then I, it's I'm like, to be all right, the, see ya. I got, it. I got a fucking plane to catch. And yeah, it like, hey, so you you go to the hotel room, you clean that up. I was at home, so I was staying at the house. I go into the clubhouse, and you're getting ready to shower and like awkwardly packing your shit. And it's like, well, I have all this Blue Jay stuff that I'm not going to need tomorrow, so don't even worry <laughs> about washing this. And then you, Wait, shower. you take your Blue Jay bag with you? Absolutely. Yeah, you have to. I mean, where are you going to you put your? You don't have base? to, but like I, I, I'm a hoarder, so I kept all my shit and brought it back to the house and stored. Do you go through like other? But people's not even that. Hey, man, you, he don't need that. Beto, <laughs> he don't need this. You're not even not even that. You're on the road, and all his stuff is in Toronto. You know, so he's yeah. My okay, right, this is what I always ask these people. So, what, what was your deal? So, if you get traded, who picks up the your lease? So I'm trying to remember. I think somebody moved into my apartment at the time when I got traded. And then you got the clubhouse guys that I was real tight with up there that go and pack all your stuff up and make sure it gets sent out to where you got to go. Yeah, see, this stuff, you know, I'm, pretty sure, I'm trying to ask, like, the fan question, like, because as a human, if you try to, as a human, as a person who has a normal nine-to-five job, if they you get a new city, you have a couple of days to move, a couple of weeks, whatever, you're just like, hey, get my stuff and send it? Yeah, I mean, luckily, and, you know, shout out to all the clubhouse attendants and, and, the and managers because... You have good relationships with those people and you tip them well and they take care of you and, and do a lot of things for you and make your life a whole lot easier, especially when that time comes where you're half your shit's in Toronto and yeah, you're trying you to piss figure them out. off, your shit's going to Sarasota. <laughs> yeah, you're getting your stuff. Oh, wait, wait. Travis Snyder. Yeah, yeah. He lives so in Oregon. All right, he, yeah. He goes to Pittsburgh and gets to experience the playoffs there, you know, which was a completely different. You're on that team, yeah. Yeah. Um, beast itself you know and well it was crazy because we i got traded there we were in first place and it's the first time they've been first place in ever and we crashed we ended up choking didn't make the playoffs and it was it was a great learning experience for all of us that were there and i was only there for a couple months but going into 13 and, and eventually 14 um we made the playoffs both years after that but it was just you know you, you band together with a new set of brothers and develop those relationships with guys and that's the thing i learned man from the big leagues all the way to the atlantic league where I was at last year. Baseball just has so many good people, regardless of what your experience level is. If you played in the big leagues, how many years you've been in the big leagues, whatever, man. You you meet people in the game of baseball that are unlike any other place. The game can give you so much, but it can also 
take away so much, whether it's relationships or time or money or whatever it is you want, you have to sacrifice a lot. Let's fast forward to where you're at now. You're currently with the Diamondbacks in the organization, but you went from being 20 years old in the majors with Derek Jeter saying, hey, good job, to playing independent baseball with the Long Island Ducks, Ducks last which year. is where some people might say, if I ever play independent ball, shoot me. I don't even want to do anything. Three years ago, I would have said the same thing. Why are you still playing right now? Because I love the game. I love to compete. I mean, it's something that you experience so much at an early age in your career, and then you struggle with the mental side of the game, which guys that have played the game all can relate to this on some level. There's some guys that just succeed their whole career, but there's a lot of great stories in baseball, and you see guys that don't get to the big leagues until they're 30, 29, 30 years old. I played with Jose Batista before he was Joey Bats, and then you saw what happened to him. You see these incredible stories of guys who don't even get to the big leagues until their late 20s. And it's like, I'm 31. And I, I thought this offseason I was done and I had some things going on with my family where it put a lot of things in perspective. I lost my brother-in-law. I watched him die. And it was like, man, life is precious. I've experienced a lot of these things in my life where you get that reminder. It's like, I have an opportunity to play baseball for a small window of my life. And I know after baseball, the period of time that I played baseball is going to be a small window, even if it's 14 years, 15 years, 16 years, however long I end up playing. But that opportunity is only so big. And for me, I don't care if I'm a 31-year-old with parts of eight years in the big leagues. I'm toning it up with 24-year-olds in minor league camp right now. And I knew that going into the season. After playing indie ball, I know I'm sitting here next to Josh Tully. He can relate. That'll teach you if you love the game of baseball or not. <laughs> That'll teach you if you love the game, you love the people, you love the grind, and it will make or break you. And that's something in my life I've, I've experienced on and off the field so much to where as long as they're going to give me an opportunity, I don't care what the odds are. Before we get into the indie ball, indie ball world, so you said you, you saw your brother-in-law die? Yeah. So he was diagnosed with melanoma um, middle of the season last year, 35 years old you know, married to my sister, two-year-old kid. And it was, obviously, it was hard for all of us um, as a family. And I told the team, hey, I could be out of here in a flash. Like, I'm basically waiting on a phone call. Hey, you got to be home. And played it out for a couple months. I was playing really well. We're waiting to see if any opportunities came up. Nothing came across. I gave him my two weeks, grinded out the last two weeks that I was there, went home. And where he was at at that stage, he was still functioning and able to do th And we're talking about a man that served in the military, 6'4", 240, built like a brick shit house, And just watched the, you know, I'm sure everybody in this room has been touched in some way by illness. I went through it with my mom. I went through it with my brother-in-law. And you see what cancer or other diseases can do to people and how hard that is on a family. You know, my sister being a single mom, all these things. Um... But being there at the end, for me, is probably the most uh, fulfilling experience in my life, despite all the negatives that come with losing somebody that you love, is being by their side every single day when shit gets rough, and knowing that you got their back until the last day. And, you know, I was there hours before he passed, and, you know, talking about it, I get choked up, but understanding the amount of fight and courage that human beings have to be able to try and overcome these odds when you're given a basically a death sentence and we've all been around people that have been given six months to live and live 15 years so 
we kept that hope and at a point it settles in that this shit's real and it's going quick. But for me, as I, we went through that, ended up spending some time down in Mexico with my family there and, and had some time to really think about what I wanted to do. I know after baseball where my interests lie, I know I'm setting up life for after baseball, but in his honor and in the honor of so many people that I love that have passed before me, it's like you don't really know how long you have to come out here and do what you love. So I'm much rather put on a uniform and go play the game of baseball as long as they're going to give me that opportunity. Now, that being said, I probably wouldn't have gone back and played any ball this year as much fun as I had, but the Diamondbacks gave me a shot. The odds are against me, so what? I've been there. Wow, that's that's deep, man. That's yeah. that's awesome. I mean, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. And you're learning how to do a podcast, but sometimes you just gotta like take a breath. Like, <laughs> you know, you you give light, light and respect to you and your family, but it seems like you're also. Like, I always tell Ricky, that, you know, what I do and whatever it's called. I always say, living the dream. But what do you do? I'm living the dream. But like, you're still living your dream. But I think it feels like now you're kind of also doing it to make sure that you honor somebody and you you take advantage of every single moment that you get. Yeah, I think early in my career, you know, losing my mom, lost some close friends, both my grandparents, all within a few year span. One of my buddies I went to high school with. And, you know, with death and adversity and tragedy comes so much energy and you have a choice of what you want to do with that energy. And I think when you can put it into, uh, when you can channel that energy and focus it into something that is going to drive you to push harder than you've ever pushed or do things that you haven't done before. And that's something I've experienced. And, you know, I was talking with a, a close advisor of mine. I was like, man, I don't, I don't know what it is. I just found out my brother-in-law's got six months to live. And all of a sudden I'm playing the best baseball I've played in years. And it's like the perspective of what life is really about on top of what it takes to succeed at anything you decide to do. And then just the overall mindset how you want to live your life like whether I go over four or four for four I still got a wife a kid a family everybody that loves me so awesome little boy too man yeah. I mean you see Troy Snyder he's hitting tanks already Troy Snyder hitting, okay hitting tanks we'll sign him up yep and we'll uh, rep him 40 percent we'll take that <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, I gotta get, I gotta put future investments in this kid right I yeah I, every time I see him I'm like Jesus Christ he's got a great swing and he calls him Bam Bam. Oh, he's, he's like, one Bam of, Bam's a, He's one six, of those? I wake up at 6 in the morning. I wake up at 7, 6, 6, six 6.30. There's already a video up of him hitting batting practice. I'm sitting <laughs> there with a coffee like, trying to keep my eyes open. He's just loading the ball on the tee. And I'm like, bro. What's his lunch angle? It's firm. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Go back to the baseball here. The independent baseball world. Okay. People probably have no idea what it is. It's, there's baseball. In the pro level, there's a minor league where you're grinding. There's a different culture independent where they're not affiliated with the pro teams at all. There might as well just be it's free for all. Sometimes you might get paid. Sometimes you are in crazy cities. But you're playing there. And from what I know a little bit, it's usually guys are hanging on who should have retired. Uh, guys who are delusional. Guys that are bitter at the world. Or guys who got busted for steroids or drugs or whatever and they can't play organizational baseball how far am i with that i'd say there's a little bit of all of that plus Jeez. 
you know, with what's happened with Major League Baseball free agents from the top down, it's it's had a trickle down effect. And I'm not at the point in my career where I'm coming off the best year in the big leagues and I should be getting this contract. So for me, last offseason, I was coming off a good year in AAA. I was one guy getting released by the Blue Jays and picked up by the Mets away from going to the big leagues in September. Wow, and that close. It hit me hard, and I was pissed off when that call didn't come September 1st to go up and play for the Mets. I had hit 300 the whole year and had a good year. Playing in AAA with the Rangers, got traded over there. Everybody and their mom got hurt or traded, and it's like, here's an opportunity. I lose my spot to a veteran guy who was released and picked up by the Mets, and then I'm going home September 4th thinking, hey, I had a good year. I was that close. I'm hungry. Let's go. January rolls around, I got nothing. February rolls around, I got nothing. I go down to the minor league or the major league baseball associate players association put on a free agent camp. I'm down there with some dudes, Mike Napoli. I mean, there's some big name guys down here, and there's some big name guys that are still at home, and we're all looking at each other like, what's going on? And if you guys get signed, most of us don't. And it's like, well, are you done playing? No, I'm not, because I was that close. You see, you see why I signed my retirement papers? Then? Yeah. See why I'm hell. I mean, it was just tough. It was tough for me. Yeah. I mean, I. I mean, you're left-handed. They need. I was grinding supposedly. on my own. You know, I remember he told me about the camp, and I was like, "Well, I, am I going to make it all the way to Tampa? But I'm going to continue to grind out here." Yeah, it was me trying to get Andy. Okay, you know who you were playing catch with? I was playing catch with me. Yeah. <laughs> like I played in high school. I can catch. I'm. I, I play legit softball, bro. I'm good. Yeah. But I've never <laughs> caught somebody who's fucking throwing ninety at me. Sinker too. Yeah. Oh, this motherfucker, man. <laughs> Uh, anyways, yeah. So we're so, on the track I mean, where, like, it, it's ladies just, pushing their strollers and me and him are throwing. So, uh, yeah, it's obviously different. And, I mean, obviously the game's changed yeah. in that way. But when I saw the news that he signed with the Diamondbacks, I was like, bro, holy shit. He's like, unexpected. You know, it just came out of nowhere. I was like, well, what an opportunity for you to go out and continue to do what you love. Because last year... I was still looking for that opportunity, that call. You were looking any, for the any independent team, you know, even independent. Yeah, I made a call um, here and there, and you're kind of getting rejected by independent. I was getting team. rejected because I was like, "Fuck, <laughs> this guy's good. Like, like he's and legit was, hurting my but, shins but right but now." But you also heard. I mean, it was, it was the no effect big, of no the job. rosters are full because so many free agents are they have to head down there, you know, and and they signed their guys early. I remember early, the yeah. GM came up to me because I told him, I'm like, you need to sign this guy. He's like, we're full right now. I already promised seven guys. It was between start. me or K Rod, and because you remember, you, you, I called you, and you're, he's like, well, K Rod, oh, he's the one you called. Yeah, K Rod hasn't oh. shown up yet, and he might not show up, so that spot might open up, and then fucking rock should have got kidnapped K Rod. <laughs> so then, <laughs> then got a job in Long Island. Then two months later, he comes up and he's like, hey, you think Ricky still wants to play? I'm like, no, dude, it's not like he's been just throwing playing catch for the last two months he's done like and yeah, that's the I, way i was done i, I couldn't hurt you, you learn the way the independent baseball wor- world works and how they recruit guys and how they sign guys and some teams are geared towards local guys that are cheap and they don't have to pay for this and they don't have to pay for that and there's only so many spots and bigger name guys like k you know k rod's a pretty big freaking name that's playing independent yeah, well, they baseball. can single play for them and- but it, it's crazy how you see the ins and outs of why, like you said, the five different categories of people you'll see in independent baseball, and then the way it's gotten influx with more players that can still play at a triple A, t- go play on a triple A team and do well and could contribute at the major league level, but aren't going to get that opportunity because teams are more geared to the young prospects and getting them to triple A in their 20s. Versus when we got there, it was only a few guys that were in their low to mid 20s, and then you had a bunch of salty 
grinder major league veterans that were still in AAA waiting for their call. So when you said you play independent ball, you'll really learn how much you love baseball. What do you mean by that? Well, you don't make any money. So fortunately, baseball has blessed me with a little bit of money and, and the financial ability to go out there and, and spend a lot more than I made to be able to be comfortable with my family and have the things that I wanted to have there and, and do all that stuff. But I say that because the people in independent baseball were, were awesome. I met some of the best people I've met in baseball playing indie ball, but the lifestyle is not the same, right? It's like you go from the big leagues to AAA. That's a different mindset. That's a different lifestyle. And the shorebirds. No shorebirds. You're on the you're on the shore five. They're a shore bus. No. You're on the, no, you're on the five forty five Southwest flight. connecting flight out of Austin wait, wait, to there. A to or the, B. Uh, <laughs> if you're a veteran, you're gonna punk the rookie and get the best seat on the plane. Right. So, but I mean, it's always the grind on the AAA flight. Who's gonna be stuck in the middle seat? <laughs> oh fuck! And then man. you go, you know, an indie ball, which, like I said, we only had one team that you had to fly to in Texas. Everything else was busing, but. It's wow. it's really like you get paid to p- play baseball, right? Yeah, yeah. And and nobody feels bad for you if no. you've made millions of dollars. But you go from making millions of dollars to making, you know, good decent money in AAA to making no money in indie ball. And it's now an investment, right? Is this a worthy investment? Do I want to go and spend more money than I'm gonna make to play indie ball Damn. at two grand a month? Like nobody's two, living month? off two grand a month. To be able to go and play Wait, two ball. grand a month as, as a man in his 30s? Yes. Fuck that. Like I said, how much do you love baseball? Not that much. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, two grand a month, I, 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 as an adult, you can't live on that with a family and in a real city? There are guys that do it. The guys that have never played in the big leagues that do it because they love the game that much. And right or wrong, man, everybody's got their reason. Everybody's got their situation. We met some of the nicest people, married with kids, and yeah, you're yeah. just like, you gain so much respect for somebody who loves the game that much, whether they're delusional or not, right? Like, that's everybody's case to be made. Do I really have a chance to get back to where I want to be? But for me, it's like, I was that close the year before. I'm not just going to shut it down if I have an opportunity to go play. Well, there's people listening right now who are at their cubicle at a job that they don't like, making 45 grand in respect to them, or they're driving around UPS, or whatever it is they're doing, they're doing a job that they have to do, right? Nobody's forcing you to play baseball, but at the end of the day, you feel like you still have you still have a responsibility as a professional to go out there and perform. You can't be bitter about this. It's just like being a big leaguer getting sent to AAA, and you see a lot of guys never make it back because they don't understand the adjustment. It's like being a double-A struggling for the first time in your life. Are you going to grind or are you going to throw in the towel? And that's I've I've met that crossroads so many times in my life where you ever try to quit? Uh, not quit. Have you ever thought about quitting? Yeah, I mean, at the point of going home last year, like I said, with some deep things going on with the family, I thought I was done just because I didn't get an opportunity and I played well and I didn't get an opportunity during the season. And then it was like, hey man, if my agent can find me a job, I don't care. Throw me in the jungle with all the boys, like a bunch of twenty-year-old kids in minor league camp. I'm gonna go grind. And I'm gonna You gotta have that attitude. I'm gonna enjoy every single day doing that instead of three years ago, like you said, fuck that, I'm not playing any ball. Fuck that, I'm not going to minor league camp. Let's go. Like, I don't care if there's eight outfielders ahead of me on the depth. I had my meeting the other day with the Diamondbacks. I respect this minor league staff as much as any minor league staff. And when the conversation came up about, well, this is what we no, here's the deal. I've played this game a long time. You guys have been in this business a long time. Nobody knows what's going to happen right now 
in the end of spring training. So I don't need any promises. I don't need any wishes. I know all the options that are on the table. I'm going to handle my business every single day, one day at a time. And when the dust settles, we'll see where we're at. And then we'll make a decision. Damn. Damn. <laughs> see, so if you're at your desk right now, fuck it. <laughs> Quit. Just leave people. Just fucking go. I think at the end of the day, though, you got to do what you love. And whether exactly. it's baseball or podcasts or media or whatever, real estate investing. I mean, there's things outside of baseball that I'm interested in. And it's like, do I want to go be a minor league hitting coach for five years in the minor leagues? Probably not. But if the right opportunity came up with the right organization that's going to value my skills and what I could bring, would I consider it? Absolutely. But for me, just the whole idea of life, the perspective changes when you go through the things that I've gone through in my life yeah. and realize, do you want to live a life where you just grind every day for a paycheck or do you want to live a life where you love what you do Which every single probably day? Probably a lot of your friends are growing up in Washington. I got some buddies that have been very successful at young ages of their career. I got other buddies that just work nine to five jobs to get a paycheck. And that doesn't make them any better or any no. worse than me. I love them the same. But it's like you said, you can't have some of these conversations with people who don't have the same mindset. And that doesn't mean you can't be friends with them. They can't, doesn't mean they can't be brothers or cousins, you know, by affiliation. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm somebody who's going to grind to get what I want and I'm going to do what I love to do. That's crazy. In this game, though, you you never say never, you know, because there's time. I mean, yeah, like you said, three years ago, independent bar, you're like, fuck that. I'm not going there. And I said the same thing. Hell no. I'm I'm going home if I have to go do that. Well, last year, what am I doing? Looking for an indie ball job, you know. So I feel like in this game, you can never say I wouldn't do that because if the right opportunity comes, like he said, you're taking it and you're you're going to do it. Why? Because one, you love putting on a uniform and you love the game of baseball. And if you enjoy, enjoy that part of it, I feel like everything else just is extra, you know. And um, that's why you just, if something like that where the right opportunity arises, I think you, you, you take, take it, it in this game. Yeah, I mean, you just never say never, you know. You said something earlier that really got me and you said the perspective of how you might play 10 years, but if you have a long life, that's such a small little window of you are because everybody that Ricky has introduced me to and yourself included, it seems like you don't let baseball become your identity. And but that's at, hard. At points it has. Yeah. And I know Ricky can relate to that. Yeah. We've been in the spotlight. You got X amount of followers oh, on me Twitter. Me and my 20s. Oh, I was terrible. You're going here. You're going there. People recognize yeah. you. And, that, and for me, I was kind of uncomfortable even though I enjoyed it. But – you realize like at the end of the day, the people you love and the people that you care about, the real people, the real friends, the real family, they love you for who you are, whether you're playing in the big leagues or playing in indie ball. And that was what was, I guess, the most fulfilling part of the last few years of being a big leaguer, being a triple A player, and then being a, a guy in indie ball. I didn't have that crowd of people that just went away because I wasn't a big league player anymore. I had the relationships with the teammates that I grinded with in the minor leagues, the big leagues, whatever. And then I got my crew back home that I'm the same guy and they're the same people to me, which is, I feel like the relationships you have is what makes life so important. Mm -hmm. Very well said. Now we have a little segment that we do on the show. It's called Let's Go. We're going to go down memory lane with you. It seems like we've been doing it the entire time, but I'm going to show you a picture Get your raw reaction. All right, you ready? We got a couple for you. All right. Ready? Here we go. Travis Snyder, who's that? 
That's 18-year-old lunchbox, 245 <laughs> baby, pounds, man. eating two-foot-long subs from Subway <laughs> every single day, winning the MVP of the Appalachian League right there. Oh, 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 oh. I'm sorry, MVP of the Appy League. This is beautiful. Oh, You're, it's uh, the Bowman Draft Card, your first ever major league, or your first ever professional baseball card. Oh, hey, our vice president came back. How was that Uber ride? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, he, wait, he left, but he comes back with no bags, no nothing. All right, we're gonna just leave that one alone. Back, uh, back to the baseball card here, uh, lunchbox. You're two forty-five. Swole. No. 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 Just fat. Not fat. I mean, I worked out. I was strong. I, I was strong. But that's like you talk about being eighteen and away from home. You gotta learn how to eat. You gotta learn how to take care of yourself. Luckily, like I said, I had people that guided me down that path and. That landed me in fat camp my first spring training. <laughs> Wait, what's fat camp? Uh, it's when you show up to spring training. A little overweight, yeah. Uh, at the time, we'll call it 15, 20 pounds overweight. And they say, hey, you know, we'd like to see you lose 15, 20 pounds. So you're going to show up at 6.30 a.m. four days a week in spring training and, and do early morning cardio. But you were a linebacker, bro. <laughs> Didn't they know? I mean, luckily I had a good year the year before, so it didn't set me back. But like I said, <laughs> you got to jump through the hoops. Do you have that baseball card anywhere? That one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, where's that? Is it framed? No, I like Ricky can attest to this. You get people that want your autograph and, and they'll give they'll you hand one. you cards and yeah. I've had a lot of cards sent to the clubhouse or whatever. You just don't have a chance to sign everything. You know what's crazy? I've had fucking cards sent to my house. Luckily I haven't had your too house many house house house. And I'm like Your house in Malibu? Yeah. <laughs> or your uh, house in uh, Miami, which one? <laughs> yeah. But I've had it to my personal house. Oh, and what? it's just like you, you open your mail and you're like, what the fuck? Hey, public hey I'm Google, a huge man. fan. Like, Google does everything. That's how we found these pictures of his first baseball card. Google. <laughs> All you have to do is, you're a public figure. Anyways. All right, here's another picture. And I know you're going to know, you know what's coming at you. Yeah, that was uh, right before Gomez ended up on his back <laughs> in the infield. <laughs> PNC Park, which is funny. I played with him the next year in spring, uh, two years later in spring That's training. That's why I brought it up. So we, it, we laughed it off and had a good time. And I think It was he, a bench clean brawl on Easter. Yes. Because, you know, that's when you want to fight. Exactly. He is risen, and I'm going out there to get the guy. <laughs> he is risen? Yeah. My wife was thrilled about that. So you played the next day with a black eye. It was yeah. a bench clearing brawl. Like you know, baseball fights are usually like, hey. He hey. sent me. Well, I this think, was like I think we were we were, in, we were in the middle of a game, and I kind of heard about it, and I was like, oh fuck, <laughs> he's in the middle of it. What and happened? then during the game, I go check my or I'm like texting him. I'm like, dude, are you all right? He's like, he sends me a picture of his fucking black eye, which is the next picture, <laughs> which is. Oh, I got a better one than oh, that. Oh, you got better than that? I got the ER one, yeah. Oh, wait, ER? Yeah. Well, hold on, hold on. I didn't find that in the Google. So, so... You went to ER? You go to the hospital to get a check for a concussion. What happened, long story short, he pimps a homer... Ends Carlos up being Gomez. A, ends up being a Fuck, triple. Who would ever want to be his roommate, Rob? <laughs> so then Cole, Cole, the pitcher at the time, goes over, says something to him, walks away. Gomez is a very animated guy. I've played against him for years leading up to this. and You, you know what he is. Didn't really like all his antics, so looked at the opportunity and said, hey, I'm going to go out there, say my piece, see if he wants to throw down. Oh, you went there with that intention. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, That's yeah. where the middle linebacker, meathead football player comes out. And at the time... I ran out there. We were separated. I told him to do something. So he starts dancing. We ended up getting in a pile. I ran around the pile. He's kind of backing up, 
checked him onto the ground, went down to go get him. Ricky Weeks wraps me up from behind, being a good teammate, trying to stop me from getting on top of him. And then I get cheap shotted with sunglasses <laughs> on. Martin Maldonado. Crushed me. <laughs> and my hands are like this. Yeah, you're held back. At the time, I'm trying to grab Garza and anybody I can in that pile just because I'm seeing red. And I'm down. Ricky Weeks is bigger than I am. So he's got me pinned down on the ground. The pile's on top of me. I get up. I'm walking. And I wasn't playing that day. I came off the bench. So I get in the dugout. The trainer looks at me. He goes, you need to go up to the training room. And I was like, why? And it's like blood running down my face and just adrenaline's pumping. They say, hey, we want you to go get checked out, make sure you don't have a concussion. So I'm sitting there with my phone taking pictures yeah, of my yeah, face, yeah, yeah. you know, sending it out to all the boys. Like, I'm good with a big smile on my face. And <laughs> You're like, He's lucky he held me down. Yeah, I'm getting the text from my wife like, what were you thinking? <laughs> oh, my God, what is going on right now? I'm like, babe, I'm good, I'm good. I'm sending her a picture, smiling. She was not happy. But baseball fights are like a waste of time 99% of the time. Not that one. That was a good one. I want to be a one percenter. No. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately. And fortunately, because it probably saved me a few games suspension on top of the one I got, but I didn't get to throw a punch. I just got to throw him on the ground and assert some, some dominance So you guys laughed it off, though? We did. It was kind of awkward. So you played with him the next year? No, two years uh, two later. Two years later, okay. and Jeff Bannister was our bench coach in Pittsburgh at the time, and he's an old-school, fiery guy. So there were some jokes early on in spring about, hey, do I need to sit you and go me down in the office so you guys can talk <laughs> it out? And then... Carlos and I ended up talking a bunch in the cage and, and laughing about it. And it's just funny because he's such a alpha male, especially in, in the Latino culture of the clubhouse. Yeah. Like guys think he's crazy. And for me, I don't really care if you're crazy or not. Like when the, when the, swi- when the switch gets flipped, I'm ready to go. I don't care if you're bigger, stronger, crazy or whatever. For right or wrong, right? It's on a baseball field. We're not fighting boxers or MMA guys. So... <laughs> I, I took my shot when I had it, and we ended up laughing about it in the cage and made for some good jokes through spring. Look at that. Baseball. <laughs> like, you, bull, you pitchers, you guys run out together. Hey, man, so what's up? Like, like, why do you guys fucking run from the bullpen? Why don't you just stay there? We got in a good one in 2007 when I was in the minor leagues, too, so I got my first taste. Oh, of, that one was crazy. Yeah, it's on, Lansing, it's on right? Spike TV sometimes still Lansing, late night. Yeah. yeah. And he was in the middle of it, too, throwing blows I'm in the minor leagues. We had, we, had a, we had a guy get drilled for no reason. Our pitcher drills their catcher. This kid's five six and charges the mound, and then he decides to throw his helmet. Our pitcher knocks him out, comes back in. The bench is clear. I come in from right field, and I see this guy who's just lining up dudes, taking cheap shots. So I get in front of him, crush him in the face, and then get just washed into the pile. Come, you know, one of our catchers comes in, pulls me out of the pile, so I didn't end up with any shiners in that fight. But it was one of those things. You're. <laughs> I remember. Home. I remember watching it on uh, YouTube, and holy smokes, that was crazy. That yeah, was being at home, freaking two a.m. in the morning. You're watching Spike TV because you got nothing better to do, and yeah. all of a sudden it's showing the best brawls in baseball. Hey, were you Were you there when we uh, uh, brawled against the Yankees in '09? Carlson. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, and it's funny because yeah. Indy Ball Abladejo, the yeah. big donkey yeah, yeah. right-hander. So he was with uh, one of the teams this year, and I had actually played with him in the Mets and AAA the year before, but I'll never forget, we all ran in, and it was Carlson and Posada. And the next thing I know, Melky Cabrera is coming in throwing cheap shots at guys. So I wrap Melky up from behind and just hold him, and I'm telling him, you know, like, suave, bro, like, don't do anything. Hey, suave. You got to say the Spanish word. <laughs> Relájate, bro. Like, Relájate. Use the real Spanish word. And then I turn around and – Luckily, I didn't go in there throwing haymakers. And yeah. I turn around, and Abladeo is like 6'8", 
250 pounds standing right behind me. I'm like, thank God I didn't do anything because uh-huh. this guy would have crushed me. No, that was a, that was a fun one. We he was we were talking about the first brawl ever at the New Yankee Stadium. We were part of you know as part of the Blue Jays. Jesse Carlson threw behind uh, Jorge Posada, and then came a, came around to score, threw an elbow, and then all hell broke loose, and it was on. <laughs> Carlson weighed, what, 130 pounds? With the Soaking wet. Soaking wet. <laughs> so as we wrap up the podcast, we always do this with our guests. What would you tell 18-year-old Travis in Washington? I feel like he's probably already touched on it, but... It, it probably it, this is gonna be a good one. I feel like you know what, what would he tell eighteen year old that you what wish would, somebody had told you? you Got to learn to weather the storm because at eighteen, man, first round pick, every opportunity in front of you. Four or five years down the road, the game's gonna punch you in the mouth. And can you spit the blood out, get back up, and keep grinding, or are you gonna fold? Weather the storm. That's Bam. That's that. Just baseball. That's life. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're gonna go through that roller coaster. Eighteen. You're like hell yeah, millionaire. Woohoo. This is, uh, but that was what was crazy, man, is I've gone through it in life, and I've gone through it in life, continually experienced these things off the field. But like we said, you're a first-round pick. You've never failed at baseball. Damn. That's awesome. I mean, what a great story. And yeah, I told you I told you from uh, as soon as uh, he said, yeah, I was like, this is going to be yeah, you're one, one of those the, that's like, completely the, different. You, you were know? the one Ricky was like, no, we're going to get him. We're going to get him. I'm like, all right. And I looked. I was like, wait a minute. You still know him? Yeah, and like, – and, we talk about it over and over and the path everyone takes to the big leagues and to get to the big leagues and everyone's different and everything he's fought against, you know, and, and the, the struggles that he's gone through and to still be here and to be able be able to put on a uniform. And I mean, if you're not rooting for this guy, there's something wrong for, wrong with you, you know, and hopefully we're able to see him. So uh, what are we doing uh, the next podcast with him in Seattle or <laughs> Maybe when he comes to Dodger Stadium, you know, hey. that'd be a good one, you know, and, and a follow up, and you know, from being minor league invite to hopefully grinding, riding that showbird again, you well, know. Hopefully, our <laughs> vice president of finance uh, is around with us here, and he doesn't dishes during the middle of a podcast. Your social media, are you active on it? Not as much as I used to. Like Ricky said, we were the kind of the OGs of Twitter, and then you find that it can be beneficial and harmful if you uh-huh. don't know how to handle it. Yeah. But I, Lunchbox45 uh, on Twitter. And Why 45? That was my number in Toronto. And then Lunchbox23 on Instagram. Mostly food and family posts now. I keep it low. Well, I'm here for the food. So oh, I, you already right. gave us it's one recipe. Next podcast, you know what? Forget you people. If you guys want more, ask him. Hit him up. Oh, I know all about the Lunchbox. <laughs> I know all about it. And, uh, again, man, I appreciate it, brother. I mean, it's it was that was awesome. And uh, we wish you the best. And we hope uh, to see you back up there in the big leagues, man. We'll, we'll be following your progress, Travis obviously. Snyder. Appreciate it. Let's go, Ricky Rowe.